the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. This is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDio. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Maniple. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. And welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 197. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Ed. And this is Stella. We are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from October 2nd through October 15th. We have four books to cover, three of which are part of the Night of Monster Men uh, storyline. And then we have a bunch of news, including news from New York Comic Con. So let's just dive straight into the news. So the very first thing we have as far as news goes is on October 6th, it was announced that Batwoman is going to be getting her own ongoing series starting in February. Now, this news came out right when uh, New York Comic Con began, which was surprising because, as we all know, most conventions that occur nowadays, we don't actually hear news. But this was a surprise because... This is actual news. So as it turns out, uh, in February, there's going to be a Rebirth one-shot that's going to release. And then uh, following in the following month in March, we're going to have Batwoman number one. Uh, the creative team will be Marguette Bennett and artist Steve Epstein. Um, pre, pr- prior to Batwoman getting her own series in that one-shot in February, in the pages of Detective Comics, there's going to be a story arc, a two-issue story arc that's going to be called Batwoman Begins, which will be written by uh, James Tynion, but also co-written by Margaret Bennett as well. Um, Tyn- Tyn- Tynion also confirmed on Twitter that even though Batwoman will be getting her ongoing, her own ongoing solo series, she will still be the second lead uh, in the pages of Detective Phew. Comics afterwards. So she's not going anywhere. Well, this couldn't be better news. Um, seriously, when I when I heard it, I was like, "Oh!" And I was like, "Oh, she's going to lead detective." And then he was like, "No, she's staying." So yeah, this is great. Um, I think the care. I think we got a good writer on this. Um, I think we'll be good there. Artist looks solid. So yeah, I am super excited that we went. We have gone from no Batwoman to by that point we will have Batwoman and her own book and kind of co-headlining uh, Detective Comics. So as a big fan of the character, this is. Good news. And we can also maybe review this on the podcast. <laughs> cough, cough. Um, yeah. yeah. So first of all, I do want to say that her name is Marguerite Bennett. Um, but, you know, Dustin does his own. <laughs> yeah, I pronounce everything incorrectly. My, it's my horrible <laughs> upbringing, I suppose. It's the, it's your shtick now, I guess. Uh, I really enjoy her on DC Bombshells. And I think perhaps my favorite character in there has been Kate, uh, Batwoman. So I feel like she already has a connection to that character. I think she, in interviews, also said that the favorite her favorite character to write was in fact, Kate. So I am very hopeful that um, she's going to get a great stride with this character and it's going to continue on. I am also hopeful that Editorial is going to keep hands off because I think that's always the book that, for whatever reason, has the most difficulty with creative teams because I think they want to do something and then DC Editorial doesn't necessarily want to do that. But such an amazing character that I hope uh, Bennett's able to pick up 
you know, where Kate left off and, and push her forward. I hope there is, you know, some romance now with some random person, but, and, and I guess, you know, Maggie is back in um, Superman, right? Yeah, in Metropolis. Yeah, so she's returned there. So I don't know if like Renee, you know, is an option now or what. Um, but I- I'm hoping that there'll be something. Not saying that we have to put Kate with somebody, but it would be nice to sort of pick up the pieces. I think that we we left her with. But this is amazing, exciting news. All right, and then the other news, uh, Batman specific news. Uh, the next Batman sixty six comic crossover was announced. Uh, just when you thought that Batman sixty six couldn't possibly cross over with anything else. DC finds one other one it can. And this time Batman's heading to the 1970s. Uh, Batman is going to be crossing over with Wonder Woman 77 this November in digital first series. The print series will release its first issue in January, 2017. There are 12 digital chapters planned to fill six print issues. The series will feature writer Jeff Parker, who has previously worked on Batman 66 and Mark and Draco, who has been working on Wonder Woman 77. Uh, they will meld their experience together to create unique, a unique take on both properties. Artists attached to the series include David Hahn and Carl Kessel outside. This is, this isn't comic related, but clearly DC is going to continue to try to figure out ways to keep Batman 66 relevant because there is a movie that just released called, or it's going to be released on Blu-ray at the beginning of November, but uh, it's called Batman return of the Cape Crusaders. And it's a basically an animated film that has the sixties versions of the characters with the villains, as well as uh, Adam West and Burt Ward reprising their roles in animated form. Um, so that's coming out in November. But then at New York Comic Con, they also announced that next year there's going to be a sequel to it, which will feature Two-Face, which never appeared in Batman 66. So they clearly are going to try to keep Batman 66 relevant for quite some time if they're going to now be creating animated movies as well. So, Do you ever get the feeling that they just take like all the pop culture TV shows from the sixties and seventies and throw them in a hat. And then whatever, when they pull up, they're like, Oh, Whoa, man from uncle. Let's do it. Like, I think that is true because they've done green Hornet. They did man from uncle. Now they're doing Steed and peel, which was the TV's Avengers. Avengers. And uh, now wonder woman 77. I think the thing is, it's a matter of whether or not some other comic company has a license for it. Um, mm-hmm. because, you know, I think it would be cool to see maybe a James Bond one, but I don't see oh, that yeah. actually happening. Um, especially like a Sean Connery, James Bond, uh, teamed with, you know, Adam West Batman. I think that would be kind of cool. Um, but I don't see something like that actually coming to fruition specifically because James Bond wasn't a TV show and everything else that it's teamed up with were all TV shows. Um, there are obviously other sixties TV shows that could team up with, um, I don't know. Like the thing is, I don't know how many of other sixties TV shows I'm not familiar with the other publishers to know what other sixties properties are currently being written in comic book form to know whether or not other publishers have licensing rights to, you know, like Bonanza or something like that. <gasps> oh, that's gotta happen, bro. Are you kidding me? I can't believe you meant my mom will be so happy. I'm going to text her right it's like now. One of the longest running shows of all time. How could I not mention that? I forever. Wasn't it? My dad's a huge Western guy. So, uh, wow. I got a dad like that too. I think all dads from that time frame. Yeah, it's your friend with Western dads. I don't know what to do with that. But anyway, um, but yeah, so that's that's basically the gist. So that's we can look forward to Wonder Woman 
teaming up with uh, Batman, or I should say Batman teaming up with Wonder Woman since he's the one who's going to the 60s or 70s, but where That'll she, she exists. But yeah. But then that was kind of like the infancy. I mean, Batman and Wonder Woman were the, those, those two were probably the most successful DC television series until the recent stuff. Yeah, so, I think everything, I think those were the only two. There was other ones. There was a Superman one with George Reeves in the 50s. I don't think that one was nearly as popular. Um, but I think uh, the 90s brought a bunch of stuff like Adventures of Lois and Clark. There was the short-lived Flash series. Of course, the the boom of all the animation stuff as well. Um, but I think that if anybody was going to not, like, if Batman 66 was going to stop publishing any sort of material i think the last thing that they should do should do is wonder woman and that's not to say that this will be the last but i'm glad it's happening that's for sure well it's got to into the 70s too from the 60s because wonder woman was definitely 70s era yeah so moving on to new york comic-con there's a couple of things i want to talk about first thing i want to talk about is this is just like a quick fire all these updates that happen from different panels that dc had mentioned related to the Batman books. So this is just, like I said, quick fire. I'm just going to roll down this list. Uh, over in All-Star Batman, the second arc will feature a story uh, specifically focusing on Mr. Freeze. The art will be done by Jacques uh, rather than John Romita Jr., who's going to be leaving the series after the first arc. Um, over in Detective Comics, Harper Rowe and Sean Paul Valley will both, will both play a role in some way during the second arc in Detective Comics. Uh, in the pages of the Batwoman solo series, uh, part of the plan is to explore the lost years between the time she left the military and before she actually put on the cowl. So some sort of flashback. Maybe I. it's not publishing twice a month, so it's not going to be like Wonder Woman where we have one week being a flashback and the next, next week present time. Um, Julia Pennyworth will play a role in the pages of Batwoman. And over... Really? In Batman number nine, this is when we will start to see the Watchmen connection that was hinted at during the beginning of DC Universe Rebirth. Um, And then leading more into that Watchmen stuff, um, obviously, we talked about this stuff before relating to Tim Drake and, you know, the fact that he was taken prisoner by somebody who we're all assuming is is Ozymandias. Um, But in addition to that, uh, Tom King said that the Bat book specifically are like the spine of everything that's going to happen within the storyline for DC Universe Rebirth involving the Watchmen. Um, James Tynan had mentioned that he had talked to Jeff Johns before they even published DC Universe Rebirth. The plan was always for Tim Drake to get out of the Bat family, and he specifically requested Ah. to be able to write that out um, and, and have it play out in his own title. Um, so that I don't one, like he, that. Well, yeah, well, because Tim Drake has some large role to play in that st- in that larger story, so that's why. I mean, I don't like the idea of him not being with the Bat Family either. But if the, at least there's a reasoning, it's not just oh, well, he's with the Teen Titans, so we don't have to focus on him, which is what we're hearing now for Damien. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, the other part of it was that uh, Tom King was specifically saying that some of the stuff that's happening, like he said in Batman Number Nine. Um, some of the stuff that's actually occurring in the series is going to start to show the direction that the the over the, the larger story is going to play out. And then they were saying how the Justice League versus Suicide Squad 
crossover event that's happening in December also is spinning out of what's currently happening in the pages of Batman with Batman dealing with Amanda Waller and creating his own suicide squad. That is part of the reason why we end up with suicide squad versus justice league, because Batman is questioning whether or not there needs to be a suicide squad if the justice league is around. So it's all, all these larger things that are happening within DC universe are all being tied back to what is actually happening in the books that we're covering on a normal basis, which is, I mean, it shows that one, the Batman universe is the most important thing that's going on in the DC universe. Um, sorry, Superman fans, but you know, that it, it's, it's proof that, you know, if you want the overarching story for DC universe rebirth, you got to pay attention to what's happening in the Batman comics. Yeah, I, I think that's that that's perfectly accurate. I do think that uh, the the news about Tim was shocking, which which makes me maybe think that he's not going to come back as the same old Tim Drake that we knew. And then, of course, you know, with the Snyder and Cap news that they're coming back to do something in the summer. Um, I mean, this is I think that's obviously where that's probably going to go. So, but lots of interesting stuff when we normally don't get this much. And Julia is going to be in Batwoman. You don't think, as Stella said about a love interest, they'd make Julia uh, Kate's well, love interest? Let, let's hope not. But, well, I don't know if we know like anything about her sexuality. No, I don't um, think we do either. I mean, she's I a mean, blank slate. Yeah. If you so decide, I my main problem with it would be just that that's not the pairing that I would want. Um, plus, it'd be like starting from scratch because have they interacted at all? <laughs> I don't think they they did because by the time that Julia kind of showed up in, in Snyder's run. Batwoman was never there, was she? Yeah. That I can think I mean, of. Except when they randomly had like an all call because we need to take down. Right. Yeah. Um, I just don't, you know, I interrupted Dustin. I, I don't like, you know, he needs to be written out of the Bat family for whatever purpose. I, I don't think it just it rubs me the wrong way. Like, I think everyone should be a part of the the Bat family no matter what they're doing. So to hear that just kind of woo, makes me a little bit nervous. Um, yeah. That, that I think that's all I have to comment on about that. All right. And then uh, some other non-related news, but I guess I should say this is more related to the overall DC universe. Um, first up, DC Superhero Girls. Um, it was <gasps> announced at New York Comic Con that they're going to be getting a digital first series as well. <gasps> so, and, and looking at the, I'm, I'm guessing at this point, it's going to be releasing every two weeks, a new chapter. Um, rather than every single week. Um, they announced uh, the next graphic novel is expected next month in November, and they already announced that there's a third graphic novel already in the works that's going to come out in 2017, but the digital first series will play into you know, the same stuff that we're seeing in the web episodes as well as the graphic novels. So that's happening. Um, another thing that was announced is that Justice League of America, which we knew was going to happen, um, in, in starting in January, there's going to be four one-shots tying into characters that will be part of the Justice League of America. These characters include Adam, Vixen, The Ray, and Killer Frost. Um, as far as the overall team of Justice League of America, they did not say the name of the team other than Justice League of America will kick off its ongoing series in February, which we already suspected. Uh, Super Sons was confirmed for February. Uh, we still don't know the exact creative team, but the rumors right now is that it could be uh, Patrick Leeson and Peter Tomasi coming to that book mm. as they leave uh, Superman after, I guess, the first two story arcs. So 
Um, yeah, so that would be something to look forward to if those two were on that book, knowing that they clearly know how to do the emotional aspects since they worked on Batman and Robin and Patrick Leeson worked on Robin, son of Batman. So that is that. The other uh, was not related to New York Comic Con. This was actually just announced last week. Um, it was announced that uh, just another crossover will be occurring this time with the Justice League and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Um, so, yeah. They have Clearly, weird pairings, though. They, have, like, they really do, don't they? they have it's like the Pink Ranger and Batman. Batman, yeah. I, I don't understand that. But outside of that, it's interesting, to say the least, because Batman keeps doing these these cross-promotion team-ups with other publishers. I mean, great on them for doing it, because I don't, I don't see Marvel doing any kind of crossovers with other publishers, but I could be wrong. I, I don't pay attention to Marvel, so I wouldn't know. But... Just like looking at, you know, we had uh, Lumberjanes and Gotham Academy, which was DC and Boom Studios. We had uh, Batman 66 and The Man from Uncle, which I also believe is 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 uh, Boom. Um, th- there has been Green Hornet, which was ID. Well, there was a Green Lantern Star Trek one, which was IDW, and now the Power Rangers and Justice League is is also boom studios. So it's just interesting because it seems as if DC is much more willing to have their characters go help other companies, I guess is the best way to put it because these other companies, when the series are selling Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is the best example. That was IDW, I believe. Yes, you're right. And uh, that sold amazing. I mean, IDW has never had a book that high ever. So I, I mean, for a smaller publisher, it makes no sense not to do a crossover. It's just a matter of whether or not one of the big two are willing enough to actually put something together. I wonder if it's a cut thing. You know, I wonder if it's it, DC is more liberal with the cut of the cash. Like that maybe is there, but they're willing to chop it 50, 50 or, or 60, 40. And the other publishers are trying to take a bigger chunk, you know? You know, I don't know why, but I think there's something. There something is something there. because the thing is, one of the things I've noticed is that there's certain series that are, still printed by DC, even though they're co-branded. For example, Lumberjanes Gotham Academy is actually a Boom Studios book, even though it has Gotham Academy in it. Gotham Academy is actually listed as the second team on the book. And I've noticed that when comics come out, DC doesn't list the books. It's Boom that lists the books. Um, And then, you know, for I think the Green Lantern Star Trek crossover, it was IDW who was mentioning you know they were the ones soliciting the crossover not dc like dc announced it and said it was happening but they're not the ones who are actually publishing it so i i don't know i have no idea i just say it's good on dc for doing it because more exposures for their characters doesn't hurt anybody i mean i agree it, it doesn't really like it's not like it's hurting the brand no one sees you know teenage Mutant ninja turtles and batman or whatever it is and goes and, and confuse it with the with the ongoing yeah. dc only saying that shouldn't be happening yeah, that's not canon. Like, I mean, no one's separate's fine with it. So. Yeah. Yeah, they're fun. Keep going. Okay. And then the last bit of news I've got is uh, sales for September. Uh, DC, once again, dominated the entire month. When I say dominated, I really do mean they absolutely dominated. <laughs> Owned it. So let's just put in comparison. So as far as uh, retail market share, which is the actual the retail price or so like dollar share dollar share is what we're talking about here. DC had 36% of the market compared to Marvel's 31% over in units. Uh, DC had 43. Now this is the number of actual comics sold 
DC had 43% while Marvel only had 30%. Um, and then, in, you know, to put that in perspective, DC put out in the month of September 82 comics, or I'm sorry, Marvel put out 82 comics while DC puts out 76, so six less comics. When you include the graphic novels, uh, DC put out a total between comics and graphic novels of 112 compared to Marvel's 122, and they still had an insanely higher market share as far as actual units sold. So it says something about the quality of the work when they're producing actually less material, but they're still outselling Marvel by leaps and bounds. So crazy. And then uh, to round out the the discussion, uh, the top 10 books for the month, uh, as far as the TBU books, Batman number six was number one. Number two was All-Star Batman number two. Uh, at number three was Batman number seven. Uh, Justice League number four was uh, number five. Trinity number one was number seven. Suicide Squad number two was number nine. And Justice League number five was number 10. So out of the 10 books, DC had eight of them, while The Walking Dead had one, or well, Walking Dead slash Image had one, and Civil War was the one for Marvel that was, that was in the top 10. So DC continues to you know, be on a good track. I mean, we've been giving the books high remarks when we talk about greater Gotham, when we talk about the other books, um, we are giving these books high marks because they've figured, they figured it out. I mean, like there's only a few of what we're currently covering on the website that I feel need a drastic turn, but it's a, it's a minority compared to the majority that we were experiencing during the new 52. More than that, it's the entire line. There's, there isn't, there's only, and I'm not going to say the names of them. There's, I'm reading every rebirth book, every single one, right? There's only a couple that are like legitimately bad. Like there's a couple that are just like, oh, they're bad. But most of them are really good across the board. Um, I think the biggest thing is the ones that are really bad are still not that bad. There's only one that's terrible, and I'll take your calls off air on that one. But there's only one that is like unreadable, and the rest of them are really really pretty good and i think the i think that what we're going to see here is this is going to be the trend of dc comics for a while and i think that what i mean by that is not so much just the storylines but i i really think them doubling up two issues of batman two issues of detective two issues of action like and i think that unfortunately that means we lost some of the more fringe books but i think that really worked that that theory but see, of but here's the thing i gotta i gotta cut you off there with the fringe books because the biggest thing is with the fringe books we we have talked about this on multiple occasions how maybe they should be focusing more on miniseries they have they didn't really focus on miniseries very much they were almost in some ways i felt like they were afraid to use the term mini for miniseries to begin with there were certain series like midnighter that that series not I'm not saying it should have, you know, not get, been given a chance, but you don't start a series that is basically going in untested as an ongoing. You just shouldn't do that. Even if you're going to have, <laughs> even if you're going to have Nightwing appear in, you know, 50% of the issues, you shouldn't really probably go about doing something like that. You should probably start off with a mini series and go from there. And just between just be, just this month, there they have released a number of new mini series. Um, there's a Dead Man miniseries. There's a Hawkman Adam Strange miniseries. There's a uh, a Midnight or Apollo miniseries. There's some other. I don't. I can't remember what the other ones were. None of them were Batman related. But 
there's these mini series, and then on top of that, they have the young animal stuff that's also releasing right now, which is not DC Rebirth related at all. But that stuff is also, you know, playing into DC having, you know, these fringe books that aren't necessarily expected to have amazing sales. Uh, coming up next month, we have the first of those books that's going to touch on Batman, the TBU, which is uh, Mother Panic. Um, which we'll be reviewing on the website uh, when, once that releases. But there's, you know, Doom Patrol. I've heard really good things about uh, that. The, the just, uh, I believe, in the next two weeks, there's the the Commandy Commandy book or whatever is coming out. Maybe what? No, I didn't no, no, know they were redoing that. It's not one. coming out. I think that's that, that's coming out in January, if I remember correctly. But that's coming out, and there's like it's it's some weird thing where there's like 14 creative teams telling one story. Um, I guess it's like one or two pages a piece, but but then on top of that, they also have the the Hanna Barbera stuff that they did, which some of it has been pretty popular, or pretty steady at least, where it's not like you know just horrible sales and those books aren't expected to be doing amazingly well. So I think that even though we're not like seeing the fringe books as much as we were before, I still feel like there are plenty of fringe books. No. Yeah. I'm not saying that there isn't a lot. I think that you're right though. I think they've been shifted over into miniseries and the ongoing, I mean, you could almost look at detective comics as a proving ground for Babama getting your own series back. Couldn't you? Comes back, detective sells really well. Everyone likes oh, it. Yeah. Some yeah, that are in yeah. series again. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there was actually a comment from Mark Doyle, who's the Batman Group editor, that said the popularity of the character just in the pages of Detective Comics was enough to just immediately greenlight her to have her own miniseries, and then it was just a matter of when to release it. So, or not miniseries. It's not a miniseries. It's an ongoing. Not ongoing. Yeah, it's an ongoing. But like greenlight her own series, which is great. And I, but I just. I think that the, I think we're going to see this trend continue for a while, where the the superstar books going to get two issues a month, and the other ones are going to get one. And, and I mean, I just think that's what's going to happen with the sales numbers. I mean, they're unbelievable. All right. So with that, that is all of the news from the past couple of weeks. There's there's obviously been a lot, but that was because New York Comic Con was happening. Surprisingly, there was a good chunk of news. Um, hopefully that that trend continues with some of the other conventions that DC has not been focusing on as much. I know, I know just in September they were at Baltimore comic-con and actually had panels. I'm hoping that means they'll be back at C2E2 this coming year. um, You know, in some way, even if it's just in panel form. Um, But that being said, we're going to jump straight into our comic book reviews. And the first one we're going to do is all-star Batman. All-Star Batman, number three. Writer Scott Snyder, artist John Romita Jr. This issue opens up with two boys laying in the grass, discussing the idea of a kind of virtual reality eye chip. Lens. Uh, Lens, thank you. I don't know why I lost that one. A virtual reality contact lens that would let you see anything around you in the world that you wanted to see. Uh, We then cut to Batman and Two-Face, who are lying on the ground after the attack uh, from the end of last issue. Uh, there's a fight between them and KG Beast, uh, which ends up with Harvey getting hurt pretty badly, including something in his eye. And then they're at the as they're trying to get away from the fight, Duke shows up uh, and picks them up, not in a Batmobile, but just in a standard issue four-door sedan, it seems to be. Uh, and they make a quick, quick getaway. Uh, Bruce tells him just to follow the signs to the safe house. The Royal Flush Gang shows up in a multi-purpose. Uh, 
panel cameo, uh, trying to collect the bounty. KG, KG Beast blows them up uh, as well. Uh, we then cut to a gas station and see Penguin and Black Mass with Great White Shark. And they talk about how they're in over their heads and they can't pay KG Beast what they promised him. And there's a, a scene where a couple of just foolish people start picking on Penguin for some reason and he like fries him with a flamethrower umbrella. Um, and back to the getaway car, and we see that the signs that Batman had told Duke to follow say, come to the famous Bat Cave, where you can see live bats, and these are signs to a safe house slash R&D research center that is ran by Harold Allnut. Oh, uh, yay! Which is pretty cool. That, 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 was, that was cool. Um, he speaks in sign language, and he, he, he's a mute. Um, he performs surgery on Two-Face, saves his life and probably his eye. Um, we see that Harold is a guy who makes things for Batman and then sends him, sends him down to the, the Batcave in an old aqueduct, uh, terminal, aqueduct terminal. Uh, Bruce tells, uh, Duke tells Bruce that Gordon has called the house and that there's some type of file decrypting on his computer, the GCPD, which tells of some kind of link between Bruce Wayne and Batman. I wonder what that's going to be. Uh, Duke also tells him that the main chemical in Harvey's so-called cure was used in the past to treat Jokerized victims, but it breaks down super fast, and the healing is a temporary effect doesn't last for long. Bruce says it doesn't matter. He must keep going. We then see Bruce reference back to the opening scene with the two boys, and we learned that this was, in fact, Bruce and Harvey. Um, they met at a, at a young age, and um, he's going to do anything he can to help his friend. Uh, Duke decides he's going to stick around and help as well, and 20 minutes later, we see Duke and Batman with Two-Face and a stretcher flying up, the underground tunnels in an airboat. Uh, the boat is then overturned uh, by another, you know, million ways that die in the West type thing. The boat gets overturned. Uh, Two-Face gets up. Duke seems to be knocked unconscious. Harvey tells Batman, who Harvey was awake this whole time listening in, Harvey tells Batman that he has done what he's always done and sugarcoat the story and that maybe they're going to the house so he can kill Harvey off once and for all, not the other way around. He then takes a, a vial of what I'm assuming is acid or some type of acid and throws it in the eyes of Batman. And we are shown where we are led to believe is Batman going blind. Um, there's also a backup to the story where we see Duke dealing more with the aftermath of letting Zaz get away from last issue. Number one, this is the first point immediately I thought of when reading this book. I can't wait to see what they think about this before I got the book done. Harold is back. Oh, yeah. What do you guys think of his inclusion in the story? And are we okay with how we seemingly have just, and I know it's, it's newer continuity, that we have just taken what happened in Hush and threw it out the window? So here's the thing. It, it is hilarious that he came back because I, oh, I, I'm not exaggerating this, but just three weeks ago, I was discussing with my wife about unused characters or underused characters within the Batman universe you know, these are just random conversations that come up at my dinner table. But I was talking about Harold Allnut, and I was thinking, and I was telling her, I was like, I wish this character, I was explaining how, like, sometimes comics, they just kill characters for, like, the sake of killing a character so that they can have, like, the shock and awe moment, but they don't think about the lasting effect that it has. Now, given Harold, when he was killed in Hush, he hadn't been utilized very much since for, for roughly about six yeah, years part of the 90s. Yeah. yeah, because he was in the middle of the 90s uh, i know he was part of no man's land but like mm-hmm. he wasn't utilized very much past the major events of the 90s um and then hush came along and they just kind of used him to you know for a simple fact um 
I I was not a big fan of him getting killed and him betraying Batman. I thought that was completely out of character for him in the pages of the the Hush story. Uh, it made sense in the story, but I still didn't like it because it was using that character because that was a character that I really I enjoyed. I like the idea of just somebody. There had to been somebody who can just sit at the cave and build gadgets and like repair stuff. It can't just be Alfred's the mechanic and he does all the work. I always liked that aspect of of the character of Harold Allnut. So I was discussing this with my wife and I was like, this is a character that they killed off just to kill off and there was no point and I don't understand why they did it. And then lo and behold, three weeks later, we get an issue of all-star Batman and he is brought back. Do I care that they have, you know, dismissed what has happened, what happened in Batman hush? No, I don't because when the, the record books are ultimately going to show the story of hush as its own story, they're going to show flashpoint messing with stuff, new 52 messing with stuff. DC Rebirth messing with stuff, and then we have this new version where he's still around. So I'm completely okay with this. I'm so glad that he's back, and I'm so glad that he wasn't just brought back. I mean, like, he does – it is really a cameo, a very short cameo, but I'm glad he's there, and I'm glad that he's back, you know, in existence where somebody else could pick him up and use him if they really wanted to. Yeah, I guess it goes to show you that – we still don't really have a handle on what sort of continuity this is and, you know, how much does it bridge the gap between pre new 52 and new 52. I think, I think even the writers are sort of starting to, you know, figure it out maybe, or the, well, they're still figuring it out. Uh, and I think also the fact that, um, he has returned means there's no set formula. Like, I think it depends on the book as to, you know, who can be allowed. What's ironic is that in that interview I had with Scott Snyder, there was that one guy that I asked and he said, well, I was going to, but they said that, but I wasn't sure if he was in continuity or not. <laughs> Do you remember? Nice. And so, like, it's interesting that he even, like, has to question that because clearly he, he doesn't necessarily need to be i mean he could do whatever i i really enjoyed harold i'm sort of just starting to have a relationship with him because i've been you know starting my 90s batman readings with everything and so with nightfall and um uh what did i do after that you know contagion and you know different things yeah that i'm really starting to uh get to know him um, I don't, I mean, I've read Hush several times. I don't think it probably had an impact on me like it did for you, Dustin, because I had read Hush the several times before I had before, been going yeah. back and, and doing this, um, reread of 90s stuff. So, uh, I probably didn't feel, feel it as much, but, um, I, I think it's fine that, you know, it, it, he's, well, I think it's great that he's brought back, um, as for continuity, I think since there's really no, like I said, no set formula as to what is in continuity, what isn't, uh, it all works out. But I think at some point they need to probably set down some rules. It can't sort of just do be whatever they want to be. I think we'll get those rules as we clear up what happened from rebirth with the watchman. Mm. I think, I think at some point, uh, we'll have a special, maybe it'll be this September, likely now that I'm thinking of it where we finally have the rebirth things all cleared up and here's the new continuity type deal. I don't think, um, I, I honestly don't think that'll ever happen. I, you know, no. you don't think there'll be some kind of definitive X, Y, Z this happened, this didn't. No, I, and I, I think the reason being is because one of the things that we're constantly hearing these creators talk about is, you know, 
I was just thinking about, well, okay, they have been saying, you know, we're here to tell the best stories. There are certain ones who want to focus on some of the 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 back history of the characters and that and that stuff. But the, there's other ones that they want to create their own stuff. You know, we look at the lineup of the main books that are getting two issues per month. In the pages of Flash, they've got a brand new villain that has never been part of the Flash continuity before. Um, That's me. Yeah, and in Justice League, it's the same exact thing. They're telling you know their own stories that have nothing to do with the back history of the characters. Meanwhile, in Detective Comics, you've got tons of back history of all of these characters from you know New Fifty Two and even some stuff from before that in you know pre Flashpoint. So then then over in Batman, it's kind of a combination where they're using some stuff from you know before most of it's you know New Fifty Two, but most of it's even creating its own with Gotham Gotham Girl playing a major role. That's its own aspect. But then they're including Hugo Strange and Amanda Waller and Psycho Pirate, which is like pre Flashpoint. So I mean like I think ultimately DC's looking at this as Anything and there's nothing off the table for them to use. They can the writer can use whatever they want as long as it doesn't jeopardize what something else is happening in the same universe. And I think that's ultimately what's happening. I don't think that there's ever going to be a definitive, you know, here's the history of the DC universe, you know, number one, number two, and so forth, or the who's who of the DC <gasps> universe. Like we've the seen who's so many who? Times. Who? Yeah. yeah. That's, you know who that is? Shag Matthews and, and Rob Kelly. Yes, a podcast for those of you who don't know. Um, but the but the, that's the thing. I think the thing is like I don't see something like that actually coming to happen. I don't like with the combination of the Watchmen. You know, I feel as if they're all of the books we've we you know we've talked we talked about this earlier. All of the books are in a very good direction right now, and I don't think there's a desire nor a need to put some sort of like this is how it is. This is what works. This is what doesn't work. I mean, the Lord knows I tried to do that way too many times during the beginning of the new 52 bat books for beginners. We, you know, the initial storylines in the order that, that we're releasing them. That was a mastermind list that I came up with way back when that, that first started. But the idea was always, you know, this is what makes the most sense for continuity, but, you get to a point where you realize it doesn't really need to matter anymore. And I hate to say it because I, everybody knows I'm a continuity freak, but like, I don't think I need to know whether or not this story still takes place or not. I mean, there's certain parts where I hope it still exists and it still happened. And I hope that they would reference large things like no man's land. If, if there was, you know, a need for it, if like there was some giant crazy thing happening where it was very similar, or was a natural disaster or something like that. I would hope that they make reference to something like that. But I mean, it's, it's, I think it's just to the point where like, if the stories are good, let's just be content with that. I mean, I'm enjoying almost everything that I'm reading right now. And that's the biggest thing. Like I don't need them to sit here and try to make everything fit perfectly in some perfect little puzzle and then end up, end up with like crap that doesn't really work. So that's true. Um, I did like Harold in this though. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. We were getting way off. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's something that had to be said. Um, I did like Harold in this though. Um, I'm glad we kind of, I love hush. It's probably my favorite Batman story. That's always the one part of the story. That's kind of like, eh. like I didn't really like that reading comics all through the nineties. Harold was kind of a big part of Batman comics for a 
a pretty good time, and he prepared a, a role that was necessary. Like you said, Alfred's great, but he's not designing new cars. I mean, when's he doing this? You know, where did he get his engineering degree at? Um, I like this. I like the fact that we're shown here too that Harold has been doing this for a while. He's got the tube connecting down to the Batcave. He's the one who's coming up with all this new stuff, which means a lot of the technology we we've seen in you know, the new 52 slash rebirth, you could take this as been Harold's doing the entire time. Um, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, plus let's face it. Snyder likes to play with the people he brought back. So we could, he could be a part moving forward and he doesn't need to be in every issue, but if Harold was around the background, helping Bruce and the other, and the other members of the family with stuff, I think that's an, a welcome addition. Um, Ramita does a really good job drawing him, um, with that hunchback of Notre Dame look, which he was always supposed to have without seeming to be over the top or grotesque about it. Uh, so I thought even the art for Harold was very good. Um, and I didn't see it coming. So, I, I mean, I was, that was one where it was like, you know, it's Harold, right? Like, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, that was a pretty cool moment. And, and I think we've seen that a lot with all-star, all these different villains and these side characters that are getting brought back in. Um, I think uh, Mr. Schneider took the idea of all-star and, and kind of literally is pulling out the all-star stuff. So I loved Harold and I'm glad he's back. And then I guess the other big thing we have here um, besides these huge action pieces, which are the fight between KG beasts. I know I didn't say much about it when I said, well, there's a fight with KG beast, but it's, it's very well done for a, for a comic book fight. Um, but I guess the only important thing to talk about here is we have this new, quite different, uh, interesting backstory with Harvey and Bruce, with them at the field and uh, you know, in the child's program together a little different than what we've seen in the past. Um, what did you guys think of this new added layer to Harvey and Bruce's backstory? This is one of those situations where I feel like Snyder's overstepping his bounds. Um, the thing is there was like, we've always, there's always been this underlying thing that, that Bruce and Harvey had known each other before the Batman situation, you know, before he was Batman, obviously before he was Two-Face, whether it be, you know, Bruce was a supporter of Harvey before Harvey became it, whether they went to college with each other, whether they went to, you know, some other school together when they were younger, there's always been this underlying, I, you know, theme that they have known each other longer than most of the other villains have, you know, have, have interacted with Batman. This, the, the, the problem I have with this isn't so much that, you know, it shows that it's happened. It's that, they set it off as Harvey killed his father, and that's why he's locked up in the, the, the asylum. And that is also why Bruce is in the asylum, or not not Bruce is in the asylum, but Bruce is in the asylum because Alfred decides to have him committed, I guess, get a better understanding of how things work. So, I mean, in for me, it just comes across as I don't understand, like, I guess Snyder's trying to build that split you know, that dual personality, you know, he can be a good person and show that he can be a good person while he's interacting with Bruce. But at the same time, deep down, we know that he's a killer because he killed his father. So, I mean, like, it seems like he's just trying to build that more than it really needs to. And I'm not a huge fan of that, but I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not opposed to them showing that the two of them had a relationship. I just have a hard time thinking that, you know, Bruce is going to befriend somebody who killed his own father. I mean, that's basically what happened with Hush, or Tommy Elliott, that is, because that's that's basically where they ended up going with that direction down the line. So, Well, I, I, <clears throat> I see where you're coming from, 
there, Dustin. Uh, but I think it's explained well because Bruce was obviously in a dark place um, because he had been considering well, he all he wanted to do, if you look at that page, he says, was kill the man who murdered his parents. And, you know, so he's practicing with phony guns. He made plans. And so Alfred uh, sent him there in order to sort of clear him up. So, I mean, I think, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but Bruce was sort of one bad day away from becoming. <laughs> I know, from becoming uh, Two-Face. And, and I think they were sort of in the same they were on the same path, really. It's this. It's just that Harvey had made that leap, and Bruce had yet to do it. And it was almost. It, I mean, I think Bruce had he the opportunity, he could have. It's just you know, Harvey was with his father all the time, and then Bruce didn't necessarily know who had killed his parents. So I like the fact that they're they're very much you know pun intended two sides of a coin. I think that they have. Um, you know, we always talk about Batman and Joker. You know, people always bring up that they're sort of, you know, the polar opposites or they're like the meant to be together and that's like the dichotomy of everything. But in this, this sort of flips that around and, and does Two-Face and Bruce. And I sort of like this relationship anyways because I think we all do accept that Batman and Harvey – um, as well as Jim Gordon, this is like this wonderful and beautiful triumvirate, you know, that was trying to clean up Gotham and then how tragic it was when Harvey went down that dark path. And, and you always sense that there was some sort of deeper relationship between Bruce and Harvey that, you know, they were actually friends. So to go back this far, I think is even nicer um, because it, it weighs, I think, a nice foundation and a nice history between the two of them. And I think it also doesn't paint Bruce as um, sort of a, a goody two-shoes that has always been on like the straight and narrow path. I think it, it also paints him as someone who he was pretty messed up as well, and he could have went down another path. And, and I think it gets to one of those questions of nature versus nurture situation because Harvey didn't have someone to sort of care for him, but Alfred was the person, I think, who, who pushed um, Bruce along as well as Leslie Tompkins, so she's not really to be seen in this uh in these origin stories yet. So I, I, I like this. I, I think it gets to some realistic questions about who Bruce was when he was younger, what could have been, you know, a little Elseworlds shot at the bottom, which I, I love that. It kind of has like a Two-Face-esque um, mask. It kind of actually looks like what, you know, what if um, Deathstroke were Batman because <laughs> it's just that one beady little eye. But, I mean, he's carrying guns and all of that. So I, I think it gets into some interesting questions. But but I, I do also see what you're saying, Dustin, where I, I think Snyder is, is sort of untouchable to a certain extent and, and can kind of take the characters that he wants to take and, and, and change them slightly. I don't think would – you, would you say that this is a complete overhaul of the character or do you no, think it's just no, tweaking I say it's it an, enough? Yeah, it's just tweaking it. I mean like I don't think it's an overhaul by any means. I think it's just a – it's one of those things where he's just – he's he's changing a small little aspect of their origin. But it's it's enough where it could have a larger effect. And that's the thing, like, you know, it's like, it's like the idea of, uh, poison Ivy. Do you, you know, he made poison Ivy, a an employee of Wayne enterprises. And that's why she, you know, she goes against Bruce Wayne is because of that. And like the majority of characters that he's tweaked somehow, somehow tie back to 
Wayne Industries for some weird reason where they have like a reason to have a you know reason to attack Wayne Industries, which of course Batman Bruce Wayne is going to have a problem with. But like this aspect of it, like I, I completely agree with you with the idea of you know this you know it does show that Batman could have been on that same track had Alfred not stepped in and tried to help him you know, essentially fix himself. Um, and in some ways, maybe Bruce seeing Harvey made him also fix himself as well. I don't know, but it just, it's one of those things where like, I just don't want to look at, like I look at Harvey Dent and I think he was a good person. He was mm-hmm. a good person and he, you know, he had his fair share of faults, but he didn't become a murderer or he didn't become deadly until after his face was scarred because that's when it was like he was able to control the other side of his personality until the scarring happened. And then he was the one, you know, he couldn't control it anymore. But that's I think, always how I looked at it. But I think for that setup to work, we have to be understanding that there was a, an underlying psychological problem, right? Because yeah, but then if you make I, it an attempt to murder, not actual murder. Yeah, no. And, and I'm wondering too, you know, we haven't seen the end of this flashback, I would bet. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then there's big some other questions like how did he become DA if he committed a murder when he was a child? Exactly. Well, those records would I have mean, been sealed, but yeah. Come on. It's politics. You know, like I, I get what you're saying. I, I do. And I, and I understand it. I think this is to be interesting because like you said, Dustin, they've always hinted that how many times have we had the hint? Well, I knew harvey before x before y you know like they've always kind of i think this is something snyder does too like he picks up the 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 little crumb and goes well you know no one's ever picked this up what about james gordon jr from from uh, oh yeah you know like talk about searing in the face you know year one there's gordon has a child a male child a masculine child right (laughs) and then he disappears, right? And we have Barbara and all this, but we never see the child again. And and I think this is probably one of those things. I think Snyder is probably the guy who, when he has something like that that he can't find resolution to, like what happened to Jim Gordon Jr.? What happened to, to Jim's son? Why do we always hear about Two-Face and Batman meeting before, but we don't know what it is? I think it gnaws at him to the point where he writes it. Does that, do you see what I'm yeah. saying? From the yeah, I can see that, yeah. Yeah, I think he does. He goes, well, I hold this, so I'm going to write this. Um, I like this, though. I, I thought this felt... Um, and it, again, it, it felt, it still feels like Harvey. If I had a car wreck tomorrow or anybody else did, the three of us did, and a piece of glass stuck in the face and I got scarred, I don't think I start flipping a coin and killing people. Right. That's true. That's true. I mean, I, I think that there has to be an underlying element that, that said that this guy's got a little bit of both. And by his face getting scarred, it just made it come 100% to the surface in a very strange way. Um, but I think without that underlying element, I mean, that's why, you know, I thought they did such a good deal with like two face in, in the dark Knight movie, because he's shown to be a little angry before, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before he gets his face scarred, he's got a guy in the alleyway, put a gun to his head, you know? I mean, so I like this, I like this feel of this is a man who's already on the edge and then his face getting scarred is the final straw that breaks the guy that it wasn't just like the Joker was one bad day. This is a guy who's been building tools towards this his entire life. And maybe if this acid doesn't happen to him, he doesn't become evil, but it did. So that's, we get stuck with this, um, this character. So yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. So all-star Batman, I'm going to give four out of five, four and a half out of five, four and a half out of five. And over on the website, Corbin gave it four and a half. So it's going to give 
All-Star Batman, four and a half out of five. Let's move into our next group of books, starting off with Batman. Uh, first of all, I do want to say that that was a horrifying cover by Yannick Paquette and Nathan Fairbame. Um, I don't. It's just like the the Batman looking at me like that. Batman number eight, Night of the Monster Men, part four. Story: Steve Orlando and Tom King. Script: Steve Orlando, art: Riley Ro- Rosmo, and colors: Ivan Placencia. Batman is fighting a monster the size of a building while Duke acts as the eyes and ears of Batman. Duke wants to help more than that, but this is denied him. Meanwhile, no one can communicate with each other except for Duke, Batman, and Batwoman. Monster Nightwing and Monster Gotham Girl appear, and Batwoman takes those two on while Batman continues to fight the large building-sized monster. Eventually, Batman electrocutes the monster and brings it down to size. At at Alexander Olsen State Park, Orphan and Spoiler are lighting flares in the cave in order to increase the heat and neutralize the toxic-slash-rage-causing algae on the people. Luckily, it works, uh, but something this wicked, <laughs> but something wicked this way comes as the algae or algae uh, uh, collects and gathers into a new monster. Batwoman continues to fight Monster Nightwing while Batman puts on a suit of mud slash clayface. Yes, that's right, he puts on clayface and fights Monster Gotham Girl. He is not faring well, and Duke disobeys. Cough, cough, you're fired, and appears with the cure. It works, and the pink ooze flows away. But Batwoman is still fighting Monster Nightwing in the air, and we leave her in this issue, falling from a height, injured, and calling to the team with a plan as she is in freefall. And then moving into the next book, which would have been Nightwing number six. This one was also by Steve Orlando with Tim Seeley and art by Rohe Antonio. Uh, this is part five. So in this one, Nightwing is... Obviously, still the monster. He looks like a man-bat version. Um, he is wrestling with Batwoman, who is who has plunged off a skyscraper. They land in a very strange way as Gotham Girl tries to attack Nightwing with a uh, uh, some sort of uh, tranquilizer that ends up putting him back into his Nightwing form that's basically the entire gist of that issue so very quick i'm just going to go straight into the next one which is detective comics number 942 uh this one was steve orlando again with james tynan uh art by andy mcdonald this is part six the final the final one batwoman is leading nightwing spoiler and orphan to batman's watchtowers to fight the monster men while batman closes on hugo strange he finds the doctor sitting on a throne of books Dressed as Batman before Batman can land a blow, Strange warns that he is wearing a suicide suit, which will detonate if he receives any hits. Strange reveals his plan to become Batman. The Monster Men lessons for Batman about his psychological inadequacies. The towers supporting massive cannons attempt to take down the final monster itself the size of a skyscraper. They trap it using cables and Nightwing dives down its throat to deliver the anti-venom do- dosage. 
The monster begins throwing up toxins, but Dick is nowhere to be seen. Batman and Clayface have managed to seal off the room at the top of Strange's building, and Batman can hold his breath longer than Strange, leading to Batman being victorious. Batwoman catches Nightwing as the monster hurls him out. Kate and Bruce muse over the graves of the four corpses uh, Strange used to fuel his monster men and plan out their next moves. Three days later, the entire Justice League joins the group to help clean up the streets of Gotham City. Um, first, simple question. Should Duke be fired? Because, hey, when Stephanie Brown uh, disobeyed Batman, she got kicked out of the club. So should Duke, for also disobeying Batman, be kicked out of the clubhouse? Well, I think that this is a different Batman. Um, well, well. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the e- that's the easiest answer. Is this is just a different Batman than when Stephanie was than when that that happened with Stephanie. But um, I mean, I think that he should be definitely reprimanded. Uh, do I think we're actually going to see that? No, because I feel like uh, Tynan would actually write something like that. But Duke isn't appearing in Tynan's book, so mm. that's just going to play out either the, the only place it could play out is maybe in in uh in batman but probably not because i just i don't see that playing out in batman and it's not going to play on all-star batman which is where duke's probably used the most so yeah nothing probably will happen with that unfortunately because i feel like a good scolding yeah. or you know some sort of like reality check would would be great well let's face it stephanie was always the odd Robin out for getting fired for disobeying orders. I can, we can each name off more than a handful of times that every single one of them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it happens constantly. They always are disobeying orders. Um, Jason repeatedly uh, up to, and including the point of, of whacking people, you know? Um, yeah. They all, they all disobey orders. I think that Stephanie well, got the shortest. Nightwing just did it at the beginning of this storyline. You know, he was told yeah, to stay away, just, and he just and he did it anyway. And t- you could even look at Tim's, you know, quote unquote. I turn the air quotes again. Nobody can see it, Ed. Um, the Tim's death when Bruce was like, "Don't do that," <laughs> you know. Like, I think they all did. I think that with Stephanie, there's either two ways to look at it. One, Stephanie got fired because he realized he'd made a bad decision by making her Robin in the first place. Uh, which is what I choose to look at it. Not that I think Stephanie was undeserving, but I think that he looked at it and said, I, I picked someone who's not quite ready. And if anything's going to happen, it's going to get her killed. So I'm going to remove her from the role. Now we all know how that turned out. Um, or that he is actually truly a sexist, as we talked about a couple issues ago. And he just doesn't, he just doesn't like women. But it's one of the two. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, I think all the Robins is a band pretty much constantly, including his son. I he I think he at least needs a stern talking to because it, it's it's is so reminiscent of the Stephanie Brown situation that you know something something needs to be said to him and but now is not the time potentially since we're in the midst of a battle uh, so that was just my quick question I just wondered if you had any thoughts on that my more um, thought provoking question is if you think this whole issue 
in my opinion. Well, in, in the Batman one, there was, I guess if we think about it, there was a lot of fighting. In fact, this is like the Fighty McFighter sign or whatever what people call it on the internets. Um, like, that's basically all they're doing. And I'm used to that with, you know, going back and reading in the 90s, you know, if there's some sort of storyline, there's at least going to be one or two issues, depending on how long the storyline is. That's only going to be fighting. But are we in a time now that there should not be a fight only issue are we in a time of comic reading now that there needs to be more substance than just fighting um ideally i i mean my preference is i don't enjoy only fighting issue you know fighting you know fight or action issues only i always want to have some sort of character development even if it is developing a character in a way that has already been done or whatever, you know, because it's only focusing on Batman. I, I don't enjoy straight action issues because I feel like sometimes, I mean, like for, if you, if you love art, art and action issues can be amazing and can be completely worth it. But as far as a story goes, I don't think that any one issue benefits just from straight action. Um, but I will say, I think there's an exception with this storyline, and that's because it is taking place over six issues, which is, it, and, and this is the benefit of having, you know, double or uh, two issues shipping monthly for all of these titles. You know, the benefit is that all of these titles can ship two issues, and you can have this giant action story that takes place only over a course of, you know, four weeks, which is awesome. So by having one full action issue, you know, in, in one week, it's not that big of a deal. There was also, you know, to counter the, the argument of, you know, Batman was all one action scene. Nightwing was also mostly action as well. And Nightwing came out the exact same week as Batman. So like you read Batman, then you could read Nightwing the same exact day. And then you had to wait, basically wait for the payoff with Hugo Strange then until the next week with Detective Comics. So, I mean, the thing is, there has been some complete action issues, um, but I feel as if because it's happening so frequently, like, I will say this, if you had, you know, one issue coming out per month, I do not want to go one month and get nothing but action. I don't think that would ever work for helping that series out. Um, But I feel like when we have these double ships and we have this storyline that's taking place over such a short amount of time, as far as like the publication time, I think it, it works and it, and it's, it's fine. It's not the most ideal situation. I mean, like if you don't read Nightwing and you don't read uh, detective comics and you only read, you're only reading Batman and you pick up Batman I mean, you're probably not going to understand exactly everything that's going on because this issue doesn't really hint at everything that's been going on. It just continues the story, but that's kind of the idea with, you know, crossovers, at least the way they originated, not necessarily the way they were doing them during the new 52. So, yeah. So in this story here, you know, I do like the big adventure action pieces uh, because I like art and depending on the artist, sometimes you can get some really good pieces, but as far as it taking up a whole book, um, I mean, I think that this whole story was about two issues too long, to be honest with you. Um, We have something that's actually kind of interesting in this book, which is, you know, Hugo Strange's idea that he could be a better Batman. I mean, it's, it's, it's the plan of a nutter, but that's what the plan of almost every villain is the plan of a nutter. So 
I find this to be, to be really, really interesting. Um, that should have been explored more instead of this huge action piece. I also think that Claire's story, uh, instead of returning into a literal monster, um, him being a, you know, a psychologist, we could have had more fun with the concept of, you know, is she going to become a meta, you know, is she going to become a monster of her own making as opposed to becoming a giant Godzilla? So I think there was a lot of really interesting stuff here that we, we just didn't really get. So I don't know. I guess I feel that we kind of got short change in the story on, on some ideas that, that could have been good and turned into like a Batman versus Godzilla book. So Dustin, you said how be, it's, it's helpful that this doesn't come or it comes biweekly. Do you think it also, if the longer a story goes, would you say that the more, uh, the more options for an action only issue they have? Well, I think that's true, but I think it it only works because this goes for only four weeks. I mean, there's, I mean, there's the the guys who are reviewing these issues on the website were all not all of them, but the majority of people who were reviewing these books were complaining that it just feels like this is a filler story. It's just taking place. Um, diving a little bit deeper into it, clearly this was a story taking place to give the artists a little bit time to catch up. The normal writers a little bit of time to catch up because we we knew this was going to happen and this at least this wasn't just plopped in there as a random story at least it was planned out and thought through so i i i appreciate that but at the same time like i think if it if this story would have went longer i think it would have a lot of people would have just been turned off from this but because it just is two issues of the book that only happens in one month i think it's very quick to you know move on to the next thing and just forget about this. If you didn't like it. Yeah. I, I thought because it's only a six part storyline it's coming out so frequently that they should not have wasted time with with uh, just this action only. And you know, when I say action only, I hope people understand that I know that other stuff was going on. It's just that it was really a lot of fighting, um, it, you know, inter, Spurs with some dialogue and some big moments like Duke coming in and, and things like that. Um, but I, I feel like we are at an age now where um, we don't necessarily have a place for this as much. And I know that comics are supposed to be action oriented and everything, but I just feel like they've reached this sort of tier of an art form where there, there's so many layers, I think to what is going on that it's not just, we're going to have an all out battle issue. I think we've, we're sort of in a new age for that. I mean, that could just be me, but I just feel like now we're, we sort of are in this highbrow uh, comics era. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I, I think that because I feel like we've been in this sort of stasis mode, it's going to be hard to pull me out of it. Uh, I, and I don't really know how they could change that. I, I guess they'd have to have some of these every time. But then I think we would think that, oh, gee, this was a filler story. Because I just think about how many filler stories we felt were in uh, Batman and Robin, you know. And, and gosh, are they just marking time until something can happen. Whereas I, f- I think there should be something happening every panel. Like you should really make use of your space. Um, but that's just, yeah, my opinion on that. And then the, to round out the questions for the story arc, my biggest thing is 
kind of diving into what I was just talking about, you know, do you feel like this story was worthwhile? I mean, your honest opinions of whether or not you enjoyed the story or not, um, and whether or not you felt like, you know, we should have, we, we, you know, it was worth our time, I guess. I thought I thought having Hugo back was kind of cool, and I, I liked. I kind of was. I kind of dug the last confrontation between Batman and Hugo, but the rest of it wasn't. I don't know. I mean, the whole idea of the the the, the towers and the guns and the I don't know. It just didn't seem like. Uh, it seems like we, like it did exactly what it was supposed to do, which was give all the artists a break. But it wasn't particularly memorable to me, to be honest. I haven't really been enjoying this particular story. I think. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like I'm seeing the same sort of Batman that I've seen before where he's unhinged and he's dealing with some grief and he's not going to listen to anyone. He's going to do it all on his own, no matter what. And he's going to get upset at you because you're helping him and don't do that. Uh, What I liked about this story is that it did feature, like it separated the team, which I think is interesting. And uh, it also had unlikely partnerships coming through. Like who in their right mind would think that um, Batman would put on <laughs> armor <laughs> made of Clayface, you know, when when Clayface was first. So, and, you know, separating Cass and Steph and having their own duties and, and things like that. And I think Batman and, and Batwoman really sort of um, sussing out what, you know, the, the membership is like and what being a leader is like and how those two interact. I think there are great moments, but the overall story was not really intriguing. I think there's another way to put some people in danger, like Nightwing or Gotham girl that doesn't involve creating them into like this man, bat man, wolf esque character. Um, and, and hopefully there'd be some, and I just don't want it to be a gimmick. Cause I feel like every year we've got to have some sort of, and we've talked about this. There's got to be some sort of crossover that, you know, brings the Bat family together. And I feel like they should be together anyways. Um, you know, have them like reach out and, and just pop up like they used to do like way back when, or not really even way back when the nineties and everything were just like guest starring Nightwing and Nightwing's in the book. And then you've got a nice little thing, do that instead of having them all like contrived and, and be together. That's, that's what my hope. So sadly I didn't enjoy it as much. I'm ready to move on, but I would like to see them continue to to be together somehow. Yeah, my thing is, you know, like I said before, I feel as if it obviously is accomplishing what its task is, which is to give the normal creators a a break. Um, I do like the idea. I do like the fact that it didn't feel like it was just, I mean, to a degree it was thrown in, but I don't feel like it was like just plopped down without any thought it didn't interact with the other storylines that it was affecting. I think Nightwing was the one that, that uh, felt it the most because I feel like Nightwing was in a very weird spot before this story. Um, Batman was at the end of the story arc um, outside of the fact that Robin was, you know, is dead and we haven't seen really that reaction that much since this story picked up. Um, but at the same point, like the, you know, the, the colony storyline ended before this. So it wrapped things up a little bit. Uh, the Nightwing stuff, I feel like it's still going to be happening for a couple more months until he moves off to Bloodhaven. So, but it did feel like filler. Um, 
I personally just didn't feel feel like the story was that interesting. And then, uh, like like uh, was said earlier, the the towers with the cannons. I was just kind of like, what? Really? That's that's where we're going with this? Yeah, come on. I was like, was this like seems a, like it seems like they're making Morphin a Power Rangers. Yeah, well, I, it did, didn't yeah, it? I was thinking yeah. that, or uh, it was described on. on Power uh, of back. It was uh, uh, Ian described it on the website as uh, buildings that transform like transformers, and I was like. Yeah, it almost feels like it was like a pitch for like a toy set or something. I don't know, but I mean, like it's over, it's done with. So I mean, that that's just, that's that I can. I'm just looking forward to the fact that it. You know, we've only had to talk about this story for two months. It's not or two episodes. That is not two months, but two episodes, and now we can move on to something else. And I'm happy for that. And that's why I was saying, like, even though this wasn't the best story and it wasn't that interesting for me, I'm just glad that it was. It happened so quickly. Um, you know, I, the one thing I kind of wish was, you know, the whole Hugo strange stuff. I feel like the payoff for the Hugo strange story was, was kind of a letdown because really he just gets taken down and that was it. And like, yeah, sure. He's got these monsters and that's kind of a throwback to, you know, Hugo strange and the monster men to begin with. But I feel like Hugo strange, I feel like there should have been more to Hugo strange's plan than just these dumb monsters that, you know, just, yeah. allow some great scenes for art and and why did like we had six issues right like intersperse with these monster fight scenes do some more stuff with hugo in the background because it you know yeah yeah i'm with you you're totally right they made him out to be such a huge threat when it first started in i am batman and i think that was really well done with this you know it, it was because it was in the in the background and it, it seems so sinister, but then like this, it's kind of seemed like it turned out to be a dud. Because no all it was, was he just needed to get suffocated. That was it. But, it was, there was no yeah. payoff. And that's why I asked, like, is he going to fight him? Because he seemed kind of like, okay, you have this failsafe so that he can't touch you. What's up with that? It's just the whole, I don't know, the whole, like, it just kind of felt disjointed. Like, the whole thing kind of just, we have monsters attacking the city, and here she goes strange. And go to your towers with the light-up symbols on them. Uh, I didn't love it. Well, Orphans was like a hyphen or something. Bizarre. Yeah, yeah. what was that? Like, it, it was like, oh, we don't know. Draw some squiggly lines. You know I mean? It just, there was a lot of regrettable choices made in this story. I'll put it like that. Okay, so with that, we're going to give our ratings. Uh, first up, Batman, I'm going to give two and a half. Deuce. Um, yeah, two and a half. And over on the website, Matthew gave it three, so that's going to give Batman number eight a total of two and a half. Uh, moving on, Nightwing, I'm going to give two. I'm going to give two. Two and a half. And over on the website, David gave it three, so that's going to give Nightwing two and a half as well. Uh, and then Detective Comics number eight or 942, that is, I'm going to give three. I'm going to give one and a half for having Clayface surround a building and choke the air out of it. I'm going to give it... <laughs> What a what a, yeah the fight um two it's and brutal two and a half all right so over on the website Ian gave it three and a half so that's gonna give detective comics detective comics number nine forty two also two and a half you so know that, well uh, I was just gonna say that I forgot to mention because I was thinking about this but I was wondering like how it would be perceived but you know putting another person on you is a very intimate act do you see like this actually happening you know putting Clayface on. As his battle gear, do you see it as a person or do you just see it as equipment? I'm just gonna go with equipment. Okay, I just feel like I, I don't know. Yeah, does he trust him that much to put somebody just, else on? 
Well, it's creepy, weird. wasn't it? Clayface was used like a bunch of different times specifically by Batman. Yeah. It, it's almost like he's been drawing up plays. Right, like when Bruce is, you know, whatever <laughs> he's, sit- he's sitting at home, <laughs> yeah, morning coffee yeah. out, on, out yeah. in the you know the Topiary Garden. He's uh, figuring out ways to utilize Clayface. Clayface, like I see with a sketch, but like, well, if I ever had a guy in a building, I could make him surround the building, and I could hold my breath long, and that guy winner, like, yeah. <laughs> all right, so that is all of our in-depth reviews. Uh, before we get into Greater Gotham, just a quick mention: there is an editorial that was written up in the past two weeks. Uh, by Donovan. He, it's called uh, What's in a Name? Codenames and Other Intentions for Cassandra Kane. It's talking about the significance of her name as uh, Backroll or Black Bats compared to the name that she's currently going by as Orphan. I strongly suggest that you take a look at that. It's a very cool and interesting look um, at the name and what names actually imply. So take a look at that. <laughs> Moving into Greater Gotham, uh, first off, uh, in for uh, October 5th, uh, main TBU books, we had Batman number 8 and Nightwing number 6, which we already talked about. Harley Quinn number 5, Harley is offered a proposition by the local police chief where she helps him track down a group that doubles as a rock band called Purple Satin. Harley <laughs> decides to create her own band and gets a makeover along the way. This was viewed by David. He gave it... Four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Secondary TBU books, uh, Batman 66, Steed and Mrs. Peel number four, which includes digital chapters number seven and eight. The Cape Crusaders, Steed and Mrs. Peel hunt down the treacherous jewel thieves who are attempting to rob the White Star Diamond. In the process, they find out that Mr. Freeze plays a part in the caper. This was viewed by Jerry. He gave it two and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Uh, neutral. In main DC Universe books, Justice League number six, the first part of State of Fear, the Justice League face the an unknown threat after only and only after working together are they able to win. It does appear that some damage to the team has occurred as Barry and Jessica's dinner date goes bad and Superman decides that he must kill Batman. This is viewed by Jim. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Secondary DC Universe books, uh, DC Comics Bombshells number 18, which includes digital chapters number 52 and 50 through 54. The Battle of Berlin and the story Uprising concludes as Batwoman's army of refugees resists res- and resistors magically teleport to Vichy, France, where they meet the reconciled sisters Mira and Siren and magically tele- and the magically teleported Atlantis. However, Joker's daughter has magically teleported her army as well <laughs> and orders all but her former slaves, Raven, Zatanna, and yeah. Harley slaughtered. Batwoman's forces are victorious and they strip Joker's daughter's magic from her but spare her life. Our heroines settle in or head to their next destination, but Mary, the, the vixen, arrives in Atlantis to give the bombshells their next arena. Green Arrow number eight. Green Arrow and Black Canary share some time on an island while Oliver tries to map out his priorities. And in Justice Gods Among Us, year five, number 19, digital chapters 37 and 38. On an alternate Earth, the Justice League battle a team of villains led by Lex Luthor only to discover they were distractions for the Joker's nuclear bomb threat. Just before capturing the Joker, some members of the League teleport away with them. 
Um, as far as uh, TBU trades and hardcovers for that week, we had Batman the Dark Knight book and mask set, Elseworlds Batman Volume 2 trade paperback, and Grayson Volume 4, A Ghost in the Tomb trade paperback. And then moving over to October 12th, we have main TBU books. Uh, as we already talked about, Detective Comics number 942 and All-Star Batman number 3. We also have Batgirl and the Birds of Prey number 3. The Birds of Prey face an increased threat to themselves and their allies in the present as Dinah deals with her pain in the past. This was reviewed by Ian. He gave it 4 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Thumbs up. Red Hood and the Outlaws number 3. Black Mask introduces Red Hood to the Superman clone and explains why he needs to have it. While Jason tries to connect with Bizarro, Artemis is imprisoned by Black Mask. This is reviewed by Bill. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Neutral. Gotham Academy, second semester number two. Gotham Academy students are going missing when a mysterious woman begins recruiting for the nearly formed witch club. This was reviewed by Jerry. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Thumbs up. Secondary TBU books, Lumberjanes, Gotham Academy number five. The Lumberjanes and Gotham Academy crews protect Olive and Kyle from the attack of the Skull Monsters as mayhem breaks out in the Greenwood Lodge. This was reviewed by Jerry. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Main DC Universe book, Suicide Squad number four, with the team stuck between the Annihilation Brigade and General Zod. They do their best to get out alive. The backup features Flag and Harley Quinn. This is reviewed by Corbin. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 Uh, secondary DC Universe books, Deathstroke number four. Besides Nightwing making a brief appearance, Batman is hunted by Deathstroke while Damien as Robin deals with Ravager. Uh, new Superman number four, the Batman of China appears alongside the new Justice League of China. And Teen Titans Go number 18, Dick Grayson's Robin appears in the issue. Uh, well, and the series, because obviously he's a main character. As far as TBU trades and hardcovers, we have uh, Batman by Ed Brubaker, trade paperback. Catwoman volume eight, Run Like Hell, trade paperback. The DC Universe by Neil Gaiman, uh, hardcover. Red Hood, Arsenal, Volume 2, Dancing with the Devil's Daughter, Trade Paperback. We Are Robin, Volume 2, Joker, uh, Trade Paperback. Convergence, Trade Paperback. And Justice League United, Volume 2, The the Infantis Saga, uh, Trade Paperback. So that is all of the books that came out in the past two weeks. Be sure to check out the website for all of those uh, in-depth reviews related to all of the main DC and TBU books. Uh, now we're going to jump straight into our listener Q&As, also known as the Bat Signal. And our first comment comes from Ian. Hello again. Love the show as always. Thanks for recommending the Rebirth issue number one of Trinity. For the most part, I agree with giving this issue a thumbs up. The only off-putting part was how much of a jerk Bruce was. But I guess after getting hit in in the chest with heat vision, I'd be salty too. (laughs) How did that not kill him anyway? Well, you know, little little Clark hasn't hit puberty yet, so... Your point about not needing an action scene to tell a good story is spot on. Aha! And I'm looking forward to seeing where they take the series. I don't typically get individual issues. I normally wait for the trades and do my reading in bulk. I'm pretty much all caught up on the main Batman line, and I was hoping you could recommend one of your favorite story arcs from the past. I only ask that you leave out the the usually mentioned all-time favorites like Hush, 
Long Halloween, or any new 52-era books. I can't wait to see what you come up with. Thanks again, the other Ian. Well, Trinity, uh, I will say Batman survived because he's Batman. I mean – that, that's, that's, a, that's a given. I'm that's not going exactly to go any further in depth there. Yep, um, as far as suggesting something else to read outside of those, uh, I'm not going to. Oh, some of these are. So I'll, I'll, I'm going to suggest a couple. Um, none of these, I would say. I'd say some of these are on my top five favorites, but obviously, most people know that Catechism and No Man's Land are way up there um, on my list. So. I'm not going to suggest those, but um, there's a couple of stories that I actually, one of them I just talked about recent or, you know, earlier in the episode, Batman Prey, I think mm-hmm. is a, is a really That's good one. Good. Yeah. Um, if you want to take a look at that, I also thoroughly enjoy Batman Venom, um, which is a, also a lesser known uh, story. That's not, you know, up there with long Halloween and nightfall and no man's land and hush and all those. But I think that Batman Venom, I like, I enjoy that story as well. Um, Someone's a big Legends of the Dark Knight fan, huh? That was like honestly this is one of the first series that I really got like in in incredibly invested in collecting the individual issues. Um, it's really good. Because like I had trades originally, you know, I had trades that for, you know, the big story arcs like No Man's Land and stuff like that, but it wasn't until I started picking up issues of Legends of the Dark Knight to really like start growing my my collection of comics and I that's I just dove straight in and the best part is like there's so many different creators that worked on that that series and there's so many different stories and like some of them were never meant to be in continuity and some of them you know were but you, were, but yeah. you know some of them ended up being part of continuity just because they had such you know they were written so well or they had such a dramatic effect on the characters so yeah, Legends of the Dark Knight. I, I mean, like, there's a good chunk of stories from there that are, are really good. I think the first 100 issues. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I, I mean, the, the, some of the later stuff just got, like, it was part of just the regular storytelling. Yeah. But I, don't tie me to this, but I want to say it was around the first 100 issues that was really some special stuff. I oh, mean, yeah. there was some really – I would have always wanted to see, like, an absolute collection of, like, the first – you know, Prey, Shaman, you know what I'm saying? Like, some of those stories were Venom. I mean, they were some really cool ones. Um, I actually had read this one earlier. <clears throat> and wrote down a quick list. Uh, these are ones that you're probably not going to hear mentioned by a lot of people, but I think are all really good Batman stories. Uh, Thrill Killer, if you're into Elseworld stuff, uh, I always enjoyed that. The Cult, uh, Arkham Asylum is my singular favorite piece of art ever done. Uh, Batman Year 100. Uh, if you like The Riddler... Dustin, I'm sure you've read this. Still, um, you maybe have Dark Knight, Dark City. Oh yeah. yeah. If you want, if you want something older and you and you like the really, you want to get outside New Fifty Two and go way back. Dark Knight, Dark City, Dark City, which is available in trade, is a really good story. Uh, Ego. Ego, um, that's a good one. Yeah. That Ego is a very it's a Darwin Cook story. It's really cool. Um, Ego is cool. If you're looking for something that's maybe still got a place in continuity, Lonely Place of Dying would be be something I throw out there. Um, these are both Snyder books, but they're not New 52 Snyder books, which would be Black Mirror. If by some reason you've missed Black Mirror, you should really go read that. I think that's probably Dustin's favorite um, Snyder oh, story. Snyder, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, Black Mirror. And then Gates of Gotham. Oh, yeah. 
which is another Snyder was involved with, which is a real Gates of Gotham was really, really good. And then and then if you're looking for something like totally outside of continuity, um, I think both the Batman Earth ones have been have been pretty solid as well. Yeah, I'm just looking at my little shelf over here. I and they're only Batman, I assume. Um, no Spider Man. Give something else that's not that's, well, that's just part of them. You know, obviously there's yeah. plenty of background Batgirl? stuff you can suggest. Yeah. I know. You know, we know you're going to suggest killing jokes, so. <laughs> My <laughs> favorite story ever. Um, <laughs> I would suggest, uh, you know, I really liked the Nightfall trilogy, but you just have to really be invested. I think you can't just read Nightfall, in my opinion. I think you have to finish it up with the Night's Quest and Night's End. Yep. Um, I think Contagion was a great story, and yep. that's, you know, that's something that, you know, if you enjoyed the Trinity where there may not be action every time, but it's, you know, the pressure is on, time is of the essence and, you know, sort of the mystery and, and figuring stuff out. I think that Contagion does a good job. I personally didn't enjoy um, the follow up to that as much with Legacy. Uh, Batman, uh, Ven- the Avengers of Bane. I, I it's more Ooh, of a Bane a story, one, yeah. but I think that yeah. you know that's the origin story of him. I when I had a seminar on comics, I would bring that up because I thought it was such a great origin story for a villain. Um, I like Matt Wagner's stuff, um, like uh, Batman Faces. I thought was good. Another Legends of the Dark Knight yes, one, yeah, yeah, or uh, Batman Grendel. I mean, I, I just I, I think Wagner is is pretty fun. Um, I'm looking at some other stuff. I really like the Batman and Robin stuff by um, Grant Morrison. I had recently gotten the whole collection of that. And it's funny because when it first started coming out, which was like when I really started getting into Batman comics with the whole like post RIP and everything and Stephanie, I didn't care for it as much. But now, and I think it's because I didn't really like Damien, but now that I have an appreciation and a love for Damien, I really like seeing um, Dick and Damien work together. So I would recommend that and then to go along with that the streets of gotham which is by dustin nguyen i believe mm-hmm. um so i would pair that off and batwoman uh, another thing that i did oh, not yeah. appreciate um was of course uh batwoman elegy uh, i didn't like it when it was coming out but then i like got the trade years later reread it and i was like man what was i thinking and the whole series of um Gotham Central, which was an amazing story. I like read that, you know, on one trip with my dad. It was just so amazing. Pushes forward the the Renee Montoya character. I think if you don't have much of a relationship with her or you think you do, I don't think you will until you read that story. And it now that I've read it, I really want to go back and read fifty two, which was that insane uh weekly comic, the first weekly comic I ever got. Um so I think, you know, I think that's enough. Of course I can always restate Batgirl Year One and pair that up with uh Robin Year One. They're coming out, there's a new trade solicited of like the quintessential Batgirl stories. Um they haven't really put out yet what's in there and it's sort of guessing game of you know are they going to put in gail simone stuff are they going to put in birdside uh but so i can't really recommend that with a with a great heart um or you know because i don't know yet but i i think that's enough to get you started there you know, Ian. you know what you know what i hear from us right here if you're looking to take a deep dive back into back issues go read legends of the dark knight <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> like, think about it. We all independently said, well, you know, gothic, shaman, pray, but, you know. Um, Snow. Faces. Like. Going sane. Going sane. Oh, like, if you. So really many wanna, good ones. So many good ones. If you want to go back and say, you know, and they were all kind of in its own little world, and you can get those back issues pretty cheap, probably, except the first one or two issues, because that was in the 90s when things were going for out. They were selling like 300,000 copies, you know? Um, if you want to take a deep dive and go, th- if you just started reading through Legend of the Dark Knight, at least the first hundred issues or so, you're in for like a lot of really good stories. And Grant Morrison worked on that title, didn't he? Yeah, he had Dennis uh, O'Neill. He had a couple. There was a bunch of people who wrote stories. I mean, Matt Wagner got his start in Batman comics, I believe, with, with faces. faces. Right? Yeah, yeah, the one Stella brought up. So, yeah, th- 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 so yeah, go read Legend of the Dark Knight because it's some good stuff. Yeah, lots of good stuff. Uh, so hopefully there's plenty of suggestions there for you so you can get an idea as to all of the things that you can go check out. So with that, that is all the comments that we have actually on the website. Uh, it's been, I guess, a slow couple of weeks for comments, but uh, the comments are still going to be there, obviously, for this episode. So I implore you to head over to the website, leave your comments in the comment section of the podcast post, and we will discuss those on the next episode. This is, of course, the time of the day when we all want to say, give money to TBU, give money to TBU, because for some reason, I, I'm guessing it's just because the plugins broke on the website. That's my only assumption, but nobody oh. has emailed me to let me know that it's broke or it's not working or anything like that, and uh, we actually went the entire month of September without raising any money. Um Actually, no, I take that back. We did raise a little bit of money manually, um, but uh, there has been nothing as of October. Since October 1st, we have not raised one dime. So we're clearly we're, we're not, we're not uh, doing we're not so hot there. Kid. But, uh, you know, we're still sitting at, I think it's like a 76% with the manual ones that came in in September. Um, oh. But that's, that's where we've been sitting at since I think like mid-September. So Why doesn't um, the... Um that the actual bar uh, mirror reflect what you're saying. How come it's stuck at 70? I'll explain. The plugin okay. is broke. And when oh, okay. people send in their donations manually, the uh-huh. only way to adjust that bar is to me go in there, manually lower the goal to get it to somehow correspond uh, exactly. And it's uh-huh. almost impossible to get that to happen gotcha. precisely. So, I'm I'm still counting the manual ones that came in, but it's just the, the website's not counting them because they didn't go through there. Um, that being said, um, we have a couple of different things. Uh, one of the things I want to I, I want to present to the fans is our 200th episode of the Comic Cast is right around the corner. Um, I'd like to hear what you guys would like to see now. We had an idea to do a call-in show, and I think we're still going to do a call-in show, but it's just not going to work out for episode 200 because episode 200 is going to fall right in line with the beginning of December right after Thanksgiving, and and that's not normally a great time of the year to be doing large projects for editing for myself or recording large projects like a call-in show or anything like that. So. We have every intention to do a call-in show specifically for the comic cast, but we'll probably wait till after the holidays. But in the meantime, 200 still around the corner. That's pr- a pretty big deal because uh, that, that basically means we've been doing this for about eight years, um, roughly. So if there's anything that you guys would like to have us do specially 
for the episode 200. I'd like to hear suggestions. We do have two more episodes, obviously, before 200, so there's a little bit of time to get some suggestions and give us a chance to actually prepare something if we need to. But if you have any suggestions and as to what you would like us to just, you know, do something special for episode 200, we're all ears. Leave those suggestions in the comment section under the podcast post. Uh, in addition to that, um, you may have realized that the Batman Universe podcast has been a little bit dormant. Um, as you're listening to this, there will be either shortly before or shortly after. There's going to be an episode posting from the uh, from Jamie and Andy who are running the Batman Universe podcast. They're going to be stepping away for personal reasons, and we're going to be rebranding the Batman Universe podcast, uh, or I guess revamping, I should say, not rebranding, but revamping it um, after the holidays as well. That'll correspond with some other new additions that were coming. But all of these new additions, some of it actually does cost money to do, so we need to raise those funds to get that stuff in. And then, uh, of course, once that happens, then everything will be golden, and we'll just have a bunch of awesome new content that we have planned for the Batman Universe after after the first of the year. So um, next year is our ninth year that we've been doing this. Um, and we have every intention that by the time we are up and running for 10 years to have an awesome website with more and more content every single week. So if you are interested, here's, here's kind of what we're looking for right now. We're looking for anybody who has any sort of uh, animation background uh, as far as, creating graphic design, animation, anything like that. Um, we're still looking for news writers for the website um, to post up news articles and things like that. We're also looking for video editors, audio editors, all kinds of stuff uh, related to that. Right now, we don't really have any openings for comic reviews. We probably, we, we are still looking for someone to potentially do Justice League versus Suicide Squad come December, which is obviously going to be right around the corner. Um, but outside of that, there's nothing that we have right now that we have any openings for everything else we're looking at doesn't come out till January, February, March with super sons and Batwoman and things like that. So we're not really planning that far out right this second, but if you have interest in writing editorials and you know, you potentially want to be writing reviews for super sons or uh, Batwoman come March and February, then the perfect thing to do is to jump on board now and potentially get, you know, just get your footing with TBU and write up some editorials related to just whatever Batman aspects you'd like to talk about and things like that. That isn't necessarily a review just to get your footing with, you know, writing articles and things like that. So now's the time contact me at, at TBU at the Batman universe.net. If you are, if you have any of the skills that I mentioned or you're interested in, in helping the website in any way, that I had mentioned. Um, in addition to that, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all these news and videos from the Batman universe. You can leave us reviews in iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. And of course, head over to the website for all the other podcasts that we have to offer every single week. There's podcasts, new episodes of podcasts releasing, whether it be bat fans, Bruce Wayne's world, back of the Oracle, Robin, everyone loves the Drake. There's new episodes releasing every single week. Literally, we do not have a week go by where there's not at least something that releases. So check out all the other podcasts we have to offer, whether you like specific characters or whether you have a specific interest related to Batman. There's a podcast on the website for you. 
Um, so I implore you to check out those other podcasts as well. Um, outside of that, that is everything for this episode. Of course, leave your comments in the comment section, as I've said multiple times. And that is everything. We're going to be back in two weeks with our next episode. So for now, this is Dustin. Uh, This is Ed. And this is Stella. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks. 